Cubs fans at Stewart's Cubs Cave Parties. Everybody's in for giving back to those in need. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400 Radio. All right. Sir William, what's up, buddy? Not too much. I'm pretty excited about today's show. You know, everybody that's a Cub fan will tell you when they when you cut them open that they bleed Cubby Blue. Well, you're right. We found what Cubby Blue actually means. People always ask me, how big a Cub fan are you? I said, I bleed Cubby Blue. <laughs> well, we are here with the founder of Bleed Cubby Blue. He started the website. I don't know when he started, but um, he's also a great Cubs fan, and he's perfect for what we're trying to accomplish Al Yellen, welcome to uh, Club 400 Radio. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, bet I was telling you right before we went on, and I'm a big fan of yours. And, uh, you know, our show is about Cub fans and how they became Cub fans. And we'll get, we'll get to how you created Cubby, uh, Bleed Cubby Blue. So let's talk about when you're young and you started following the Cubs. How'd that come, up, come along? Well, you know, like a lot of people, and, uh, you know, I, I don't... <laughs> A lot, of people, you know, a lot of people my age don't like to talk about their age, but, you know, I grew up with Ernie Banks and Ron Sano and Billy Williams and Fergie Jenkins and that generation, and, and so many people who are of my generation, you know, we came home from school and we watched the Cubs on WGN, and I, and that, that was one, you know, P.K. Wrigley was not a great owner of the Cubs, as you know, because they were, you know, bad for so long. But one thing he did that was so smart was he put all the home games on TV, and he knew that was a good marketing tool. That was what created the, the desire for people to come to Wrigley Field. And it, it worked on, on kids because the kids were the ones who came home from school, you know, at 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon. The games were still going. And you could watch the end of the games on TV, and that, that's really what created me as a Cubs fan. And then, of course, later when they went on national cable, and Harry Carey was, was a great salesman for, for the team, that's, when, that's what created the national fan base of people who are, you know, who some of whom have never lived in Chicago who became Cubs fans. But a lot of it, it's really because of WGN. I agree. That's that's a continuing theme around here is what we've been finding out. It has a lot to do with WGN and Harry Carey and everything else. Where where did you grow up, Al? Uh, what part of the city? Or do um, I'm actually from the north suburbs, uh, originally from Highland Park. I've lived, in, uh, I've lived in the city, though, now for more than 35 years, so I consider myself a, a real city person. Yeah, I was never made it out to the city. I when I was at, I, when I graduated Northern, I went straight to Wrigley Field, and my apartment burned down. We that the whole story for another time, but yeah, I did not, I could not make it out in the city, I guess. But uh, so you're moving along here, and uh, you, have you? You know, I know you're you're a big bleacher guy. Have you always sat in the bleachers or no? Um, you know, I start when I first came to the to Wrigley Field with you know with with my dad taking me. You know, we'd sit in the grandstand somewhere, and I. I started migrating to the bleachers when I was in high school. That was the kind of thing to do with any. You'd head in on the train and, and get a bleacher ticket for a dollar. Imagine that, paying a dollar no. for, for a Cubs ticket. Wow. Um, but, yeah, and, and what happened was I wound up, you know, the more you go there, the more you meet people, other people who were there all the time, and you wind up, be, you know, becoming friends with, with, with people who have the common interest of the Cubs. And, you know, I have made really lifelong friends who I first met in the bleachers. I believe it. I mean, that's that's what I keep saying. You you go to as many Cub games as you know, you do, Al. You're going to meet people, and you got you form your little Cubs family, pretty much, right? Right, and that's exactly what it is. It really is a family. I mean, you know, people. 
you know, you, you first start with your common interest in the Cubs, and then you find out you, know, you have other interest in something else, music or, or whatever, and, you know, you wind up sharing, uh, sharing lives, really, as, as friends outside the ballpark. And I'm sure you know a lot of great Cub fans out there. You probably could help us find some good stories out there because we are about, obviously, Cub fans. So I'll have to talk to you off the air and get maybe some awesome names from you because yeah, I know definitely. you know a lot of people. Definitely. So when was it that you first got the bug to start writing? Because obviously writing and the Cubs have come together to you to help build a career. But you're a great writer, so when did that well, start? I, you know, I appreciate that. You know, it was, it was always kind of a, a, an interest to me. It wasn't anything I did for a living until recently. Um, I just started posting a blog online around 2003. And the reason I did that was because, you know, a lot of my friends were doing it, everybody's doing it. It's like, okay, well, I'll try this and see what happens. And it was originally just about anything I happened to think of during the day. It, it quickly became about 95% Cubs uh, because that was what I was thinking about most well, yeah, of the time. Well, what else especially, is there to think about? <laughs> yeah, especially in 2003, which was, you know, which was a really good year, at least up until October. Right. Like most and Cubs then, seasons. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I did that for a couple of years, and I found that the – Found out that the uh, the people, one of the guys who was starting SB Nation, uh, was a big Cubs fan, and he had been reading my stuff and wanted me to join them, and said, you know, at the very least, we'll give you uh, you know a nice platform to write on. And I thought, well, okay, you know that that'll work out, and so that was January 2005. So we're now uh, this is now 13 plus years of of Bleed Cubby Blue. Now, on t- so 2003, it was just basically a blog. But you had your own website. I mean, it looked, I mean, I, that's what I was wondering. Who developed your website back then? I was, because I'm gonna be honest with the listeners. Like, first of all, if you've never heard of Bleed Cubby Blue, then I gotta like question your cub cubdom. But uh, Bleed Cubby Blue is definitely one of the best Cubs websites out there. I would rank it number one as a fan website. But obviously, uh, you know, you got Cubs.com and you got Bleed Cubby Blue. And there's a lot of other good websites out there, but Al's been around for a long time. And, yeah, I want to talk to you all about Bleed Cubby Blue. And how did you come up with that name? That's a good question. And uh, and tell us about what we were talking about earlier, how you, you wanted to be a little bit different. Well, I'll be honest with you about the name. Uh, the name was, was given to me by, by the SB Nation people. They said, you know, we've, we've come up with it. And uh, I really couldn't think of anything else. They said they'd already registered the domain name, so I figured, okay, I'll just go, I'll just run with it, and it, it's worked out very well. Um, you know, in terms of what what I like putting on the site, you know, anybody can, anybody who writes a Cubs blog or who you know the the, the beat writers who cover the Cubs or Cubs.com, you know, they're covering news stories, they're covering everything that happens uh, with transactions and, and those. And if you know if there's a big trade or what or a free agent signing, of course we cover that, but. I've always liked giving. Uh, I've always felt that giving people things they can't get anywhere else is the way to go because, you know, that that really kind of makes me, I think, stand out from from the crowd. You know, that that they can come and find things that that I that I like writing about that uh, might be different from from everyone else. Well, that's exactly why me as a Cub fan, uh, I got I was attracted to your website because, you know, Cubs, you know, they're, you know, they have, they want to put their news out there, but. You were the other guy to go to for the, the information that, that you, a Cub fan really could use and re- need. You know, I remember uh, well, right now you still have the, the ticket exchange on there, which is awesome. I mean, you know, go up, you know, hey, I got these tickets available. What do you have? You can trade tickets on his website, which is pretty awesome. And um, the fact that, you know, fans are more than welcome to um, post their own 
pr- pretty much blog on, on, the, on this a topic that uh, Cub fans uh, can go back and forth on. Uh, th- I always loved when tickets went on sale, and you, uh, you updated everybody where the ticket line was. Uh, what about your virtual, uh, rea- uh, you're, t- you're on the telephone, you can't get through. Tell us what, what kind of problems you're having. Those helped me out along the way. Now it's kind of crazy, Al, because it's not like that anymore. I mean, I remember waiting in line all the time at Wrigley Field for tickets, and that, 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 that's extinct, just like a lot of things are becoming extinct. Yeah, it's, it's it's a lot different than you know. You're talking about the ticket exchanges that we do, which I you know I, I have to remind people you know please do it only at face value. Don't want don't want BCB readers scalping each other. But you know that was a there, there was a time when you know tickets were fairly reasonably priced and and you know you could find somebody who was who was able to, to sell you a ticket at a, at a reasonable face value. And now it depends, of course, on the time of year. You know, if you're going out to Wrigley Field in April when it's you know, 38 degrees and snowing, you can probably get a ticket for a pretty good price. When they're playing the Cardinals in July, that's a little bit of a different story. So, you know, tickets are expensive, and that's kind of just the way baseball's gone. It's, it has, in fact, I think, caused in part, there's, there's been an attendance decline this year in Major League Baseball, and, you know, there's a lot of hand-wringing in the commissioner's office and among the teams, you know, why is this happening? Well, part of the reason is the tickets are too expensive. People just don't want to do it anymore or, or can't afford to do it. So the teams really have to, to decide whether they want to, you know, charge what they say the market will bear or whether they want to maybe leave a little money on the table and get more people in the ballpark where they're going to be buying food and other stuff that might make up for that. So I think the Cubs are, the Cubs are not the only team that, 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 that's priced their tickets too high. I think they're really going to have to look at this in the years to come. I think you're a good guy to ask about this, but I'm kind of thinking nowadays, I mean, as a season ticket holder, it's just not worth really having season tickets nowadays. I mean, I can't even get back face value on them, you know? It's unbelievable. Well, it's just that, you know, part of it depends on how many games you're going to. You know, for me, obviously the reason the reason you buy season tickets is because, you know, there's your postseason tickets right there, and you don't have to hassle about that. So... You know, I've talked to people who come to a lot of games who don't have season tickets, and, you know, a friend of mine asked me the other day, you know, how he, how I thought he was doing over the course of the year doing that, because obviously, you know, some of those April games, you can get in for 5 or $10, but, you know, then you're paying well over face value for the, the, you know, the popular summer games. In the end, it probably comes out as about a wash if you're buying all the games individually or, or a, a fairly large number of games. It, it all depends really on the, on the number of games you you actually want to go to right yeah. it's just i think that you know tom's got some good number crunchers back there and they they don't they don't want their tickets going to the secondary sites so they well, they put they, their they, tickets right at a level they did they, i know they did some number crunching and they figured out what their tickets are actually worth it's killed the secondary market it's killed the scalper it really has that's it and that's exactly what they wanted to do they wanted to kill the secondary market what they've done unfortunately i think is they killed some of the primary market I agree. Uh, there, there are some, there are some midsummer games that, in past years, would have been absolute sellouts that weren't, you know, that fell two or three thousand short of a sellout. And the, and the question is, do you want to, as, as the Cubs, do you want to leave that money on the table, because, you know, they're, they're selling tickets at the box office for more than you can go to StubHub to buy a ticket, which is being sold by somebody, you know, who's already paid them. So. I think the Cubs have left. I think the Cubs left about a hundred thousand tickets on the table last year that they could have sold. 
you know, this is not this is this this is not an insignificant amount of money. At uh, last year's about fifty dollars per ticket. That's five million dollars. So yeah. five million dollars worth of ticket money plus you know ancillary money that people would have spent in the ballpark. Maybe they want to think about you know a different different pricing levels for uh, for certain games so that they can sell out games that they haven't been for the last two years. Right. I agree with you. Back to Bleed Cubby Blue. I want to go back there for a minute, which I think is pretty cool. You you started a blog. It became a website that, you you know, SB Nation pretty much picked up. And then what year was it that the Chicago Cubs came up to you, Al, and said, hey, Al, you know what, we want to give you media accreditations now. Come, 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 come to the press conference now, Al. We know that you... I mean, you, basically, you're could, legit. Could, yeah, you're legit. Like, well, I what mean, year was that, Al? This this started happening uh, really, really kind of when the Ricketts took over. Um, the first major, uh, I did have some access. I think I got to talk to Jim Hendry a couple of times at Cubs conventions, maybe around 2007 or 08. And then uh, at the end of 09, when they had the big news conference, when you know announced the Ricketts had bought the team, that's kind of when. That got solidified. You know, it's 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 sort of like a hybrid thing with me because I, I do not have a full press credential. I don't sit in the press box, um, and to be honest with you, I don't really necessarily want to do that because you know the guys who are in the press box they're all they're all tweeting out the same quotes from Joe Madden right. or the players, and it's like, well, I can take those quotes and put them in my article from Twitter. <laughs> so what do I need to be in the scrum for? Right. And um, the Cubs have been nice enough to give me access to press conferences to allow me to talk to Crane Kenny or Tom Ricketts on occasion. Haven't had a chance to talk to Theo yet. Theo's kind of a little more uh, reserved than that. He doesn't really like even talking to the beat writers that much. So um, right now I kind of feel like I have have the access that I need and want. Um, And yet, (coughs) pardon me, the independence to write what what I want to write. That's what I wanted to ask you about was the independence when you hooked up with SB Nation. Did they have like a certain kind of way that you needed to write or did they have guidelines for you or did they just say take what you've been doing and do it on this platform? That's pretty much it. Um, they, they pretty much have, uh, they like what I do. Um, there is, you know, there's not complete 100% total freedom. Um, there are some guidelines that you have to follow. You know, they don't want people uh, you know, doing personal attacks or a lot of profanity. And I've got, I, I try and keep the profanity down at Bleed Cubby Blue. But otherwise, you know, uh, they liked what, the, what, what I was doing covering the Cubs, and they've been, they've been happy with it all, all the way along. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do what I feel is right in covering the team, and uh, it seems to be working. Yeah, that's great. And for those of you maybe who haven't checked it out, go to www.bleedcubbyblue.com. And what you're going to get there, of course, is we've mentioned a couple times here, you're not going to get just the score and the box score and the transactions and the recap and stuff like that. Like I just want a a quote from an article that you printed yesterday. Uh, Reds 2, Cubs 1, grr. These games are intense. Today was frustrating. Like you get the feeling. <laughs> right. Like that made when I read that, that made me feel like I was there. And I mean, that's kind of what I what I want to do. You know, when I'm if if you're writing a headline to a game recap and the game doesn't really have any, you know, really anything really special, and then maybe you can go with just you know a simple dry fact as a headline. But you know, yesterday's 
game made me want to growl. So there it was. That's awesome. Back to, uh, you know, when the Cubs uh, invited you to all the press conferences and you became kind of part of the group, you know, did you have to change your thinking of how you did your website at all, being that, you know, they let you kind of in, or was it just par for the course from that point on? No, I've always pretty much done what I what I do. And I think one of the reasons that, that the site has been successful is that I don't, you know, I don't get into snark. I don't get into attacking people. I don't get into bashing or criticizing just for the sake of criticizing. I mean, when there's something to criticize, I'll do it, but I'll try and do it in a, in a constructive way. It's not just, you know, this sucks. I would maybe more say, well, this isn't good, and here's how it could be fixed. And I think Cubs management and ownership has appreciated that. You know, they, they know that I'm just not out there bashing them just to bash them. Obviously, the last four years have certainly been a lot better, uh, you know, on the field. There's been hardly anything to criticize. Right. And, um, you know, the, the Ricketts ownership has done everything they said they were going to do when they bought the team. They said they wanted to win the World Series. They wanted to, you know, renovate Wrigley Field and be good neighbors. They've done it all. And it only took them seven years to win the World Series after 100 years of not winning. I mean, that's you know, you can't can't say enough good about what the Ricketts have done uh, have in, in terms of uh, giving the team the resources they need to win and to, you know, do to Wrigley Field what they've been doing, which is pretty much everything they've done to the ballpark is first class, top rate. The only thing that – the one thing that I'll criticize about the uh, the ballpark is I kind of miss having the bullpens on the field. Mm. Uh, that, that I would like to have back. But um, otherwise they've done everything everything perfectly. So how how much time do you think you put into Bleed Cubby Blue a week? Is it something that uh, a couple hours a day, or is this, uh, it depends on the day, but it seems like there's a lot of work that goes in there. There's a, definitely a lot of content that goes on the, on, on your website. Uh, how much time does it take? And, and you're going to all the games every single day. Al's going to be sitting out there in the bleachers. Don't you keep a scorecard too, I think? I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, this is basically my, my work now, so I'm putting in, you know, uh, a, a work day. You know, I have the kind. You know, I have the kind of freedom to to do what I need to do. Uh, if I, you know, if I need to, you know, go out and run an errand for a couple hours on a given day, as long as I get what I need to do, uh, what I need to get done finished, then I can do that. Um, I've got other people writing for me. I bet uh, that helps well, a little bit because you do good work. Yeah. Correct me if I, correct me if I'm wrong though. Back in the day, you were the only guy writing for this website. Am I right? Pre- pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, up until you know maybe uh, five six years ago, I brought Josh Timmers on. He does, uh, you know, he covers all the minor leagues and also, you know, serves me as a, as a uh, associate editor. So he's kind of, you know, running things when I'm not around, when I'm at the ballpark and something needs to get done. And I've been able, lucky enough to find some really good writers to cover various aspects that, you know, either I, I don't know that much about or that, you know, just to add a different, different voice to the site. I think it's, it's worked out really well. I I'll tell you this, William. When uh, Club 400 got on Bleed Cubby Blue, I was one happy guy. Cause yeah, I was like, and thanks to Danny Rocket out there, who actually we just interviewed a few week, a week ago. Uh, but, yeah, that meant the world to me to get on your website because of, you know, how much respect I've had for you and what you've done. And you've, you've built kind of like a mini empire there, and I don't know if it's made you rich or not, but you're definitely part of a Cubs lore, that's for sure. Well, that's kind of cool. That's cool to think. I mean, you know, that I can't can't thank you enough for your, for your kind words. That's really Greatly appreciated, and uh, it's just you know it all comes from just love of this team. Now, is it true that you are you? I know you live in Chicago, obviously, but you have a place in Arizona now too, right? I, I do, yeah. And I, I uh, 
you know, to like to spend the, spend the winters out there now, and uh, you know that allows me to go to spring training and, and spend the entire spring training there. It's all been great. I mean, that's that's the Chicago way nowadays. Get out of here when it gets crappy out. November, head out there. Now it's November. It used to be October, but now you got to stick around for the playoffs. They even yeah. sell yeah, Chicago right. pizza down there, I hear now. So don't buy that. Yes, they got. Uh, they even got a Portillo's down there now. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah, know I've great. seen I've seen you out in the, and you uh, for, for spring training games. He stands in the left field side over there. Say hi to Al when you're out there because I mean, what do you think of that uh, spring training? It's an unbelievable complex there, huh? We got yeah. William going down there for the first time ever this year. Yeah, they did a nice job building uh, building Sloan Park. They got a good location. Uh, they got uh, nice practice facility set up. They got a great workout facility. The ballpark's nice. They did they did a first class job there as well. Yeah, it's definitely a, a place. If you've never been listeners to spring training, you got to go out there. We'll be out there in uh, late February, early March. So what's going on now? Uh, you, are you ready for the playoffs, Al? What, what are you thinking? Are we going to do this or what? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I don't want you don't want to count anything until that magic number gets down to zero. But, you know, this was happening this time last year, too. They had a tight race with the Brewers and the Cardinals, and they want to uh, come out on top. Uh, this this crazy 30 days, 30 games in 30 days schedule is, is just it's nuts, and it's obviously affecting them. You can tell this team is running on fumes, you know, the last few days. You know, they haven't scored more than three runs in their last seven games. They managed to win four of them because their pitching's been so great. Yeah, and wouldn't you rather, we were talking about this the other night, wouldn't you rather have them winning two-to-one games, obviously winning them, than, than being in eight-to-seven games every day and their pitching is in shambles? I mean, their pitching looks pretty good right, right now. because pitching's what's going to win you postseason. Exactly, and, and they're all that out for the last three years. And they're all tight, and they're usually all pretty low-scoring games. So these yep. are... The yep. kind of games so, they have to win. You know they've got they've got a they've got a, a nice they've got a nice little break after this Arizona series because they'll finally get an off day and then they play the last ten games of the series season in Chicago even though they're playing at the White Sox you know there's going to be tons and tons of Cubs fans there so they'll you know it'll be like having home games and then they finish at home so uh, that that's that's going to be an advantage I think the Brewers and Cardinals have to play each other. That could work out helping out the Cubs. Um, it, it will be close. Milwaukee's a good team. They got some good players, and um, you know they've they're improved over last year. But I think in the end, uh, you know, the, the ideal scenario for me, uh, I've thought about this for the last couple of months, would be the Brewers and Cardinals play each other in the wild card game. One of them knocks the other one out, and then the Cubs knock the other one out in the division series. Yeah, that would be That'd great. Be yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So, a couple quick questions, uh, quick ones, like favorite player of all time, Al. Who's your favorite player? I got, you I probably got a couple. Go, well, I can, let me give you a couple. I, you know, from my childhood, uh, you know, everybody, uh, everybody in my my generation, you know, you know, was in Auburn, he banks Mr. Cub, and everybody people loved Ron Sano. My favorite player was Billy Williams because you know he was just a quiet, sweet swinging guy. Every day, played every day for eight plus years, had that consecutive game streak. Was just a fine, great player. And you know, it's it's, it's sad that Ron Sano and and Billy and Ernie Banks were not around to see the World Series. I was really glad that Billy got a chance to be there and got a World Series ring from the team. And, you know, uh, talk about a more modern player, you know, I, I really like Kerry Wood. I think that he, he just, he, you know, here's a, here's a guy who had Hall of Fame talent, unfortunately got derailed by injuries. When he lost Game 7 in 2003, he did not make excuses. He sat and took responsibility for that. I've always had a great deal of respect for him for that. I've managed, I've gotten a chance to meet Kerry Wood a couple times. He's He's an absolute class individual and, and a, 
a, a guy that we should be proud to have as part of uh, part of Cubs lore. Yeah, he was our first player that ever came out the club 400. Now we've had about 19, and we had Jimmy McMahon stop over the other day, so we got 19 Cubs and one Bear. But um, I was going to ask you, ketchup or no ketchup on the hot dog? I got to know, Al. I don't, you know, I don't eat a lot of hot dogs. So no, I'll, just, I'll say I'll say no because that's that's the thing. You know, that's the Chicago. Thing. Now William likes a lot of ketchup on his hot dogs. I do not. <laughs> You're a Bears fan, though, right? You're a big Bears sure. fan. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a big Bears fan too, but it's been hard to watch the Bears. So I got to ask you this: This is a question I like to ask everybody. Game seven, where were you, and what were you doing? How did you? What did you think? Did you cry that night, or is it just the tribulation? Yeah, I mean, I have I have a little bit of a regret. Uh, I went to the I went to all the road games in the first two rounds of the playoffs, and at that point, uh, I just I couldn't do it anymore. I was so exhausted. I had actually had a book deadline that I was work, you know, uh, that I was approaching at the end of the World Series, and I I had a fleeting thought of going to Game Seven, didn't go, didn't think I could trust myself to make the drive. I was so tired, and I'm sorry I didn't. I wish I had gone. Uh, so I was just home watching watching the game, and it was you know yeah. Yeah, definitely tears flowed, you know, for all those years, thinking that I would never see that. Right. And it it took a while. You know, it took a couple of days. It's like, yeah, you know, this really did happen. It's not <laughs> yeah. just a dream. It really happened. Yeah, I hear you. And I'm hoping we get a couple. You know, we got this window here, 2021, 22 L, something like that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think of this team sort of like, you know, the Giants were, where they, you know, they won three World Series in, in – in uh, in five years, that's that's pretty good, you know. And now you know now look at the Giants; they're uh, they're you know they're at the end of that run, and this happens to teams that have that kind of core that contends through a few years. And the Giants won three times in five years. Chicago Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups in six years. Now they're they're having a little bit of hard times. But you know, while that team is is riding that peak, you can do that. Uh, you know, I, I would think the Cubs should be able to win another one before the. You know, before the core breaks up in, in two or three years from now, uh, I know a lot of people say, "How can you? How can you? You know, top the first one? Well, I don't know if the first one will ever be top, but I want to win the World Series at Wrigley Field. That's where I want to party yeah, at." That, you yeah, know? I was just going to say because yeah. I because I didn't go to Cleveland. That's the one thing I haven't seen. I, you know, I was at the game yeah. where they got to the World Series, and you know that's that's among my top memories uh, of Wrigley. But yeah, let's win at home. That that's the one thing I, that all of us want to see. Agreed, and uh, we're, we're, we got a couple more minutes, but I want to know what you think of, uh, I mean, I know you're a traditionalist, but I know you, you said earlier you love what the Ricketts done, but, you know, now that you see it coming together, is there anything that you don't like about the stadium? Or, Well, like I said, the, the only thing I really don't like about the, what they did is they took the bullpens off the field. I kinda, I've kind of enjoyed watching the guys starting to warm up. You know, it's kind of, you know, now you got to look at the, at the video board to see who's warming up right. and you can easily miss that. So I kind of miss having that. I, you know, I get it. I understand why they did it. Uh, I still wish they could have kept it. Everything. I don't have a problem with anything else they've done. I think the video boards are great. They programmed them well. They look like they've been there forever. Um, the, the bleacher, the reconstruction of the bleachers, has worked out fine. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. The thing, the, the, the plaza that they built, the thing they now call Gallagher Way, is beautiful. It fits into the neighborhood. They have events there. Uh, they've really done everything right. They've actually, in my estimation, turned it into way more of a family venue. Unfortunately, a rich family, but <laughs> but well, I mean, that's unfortunately that's the thing with almost all professional sports right. now is that you know you have to have some means to be able to afford them. It's kind of too bad. And you know, the other thing about people not buying tickets to games is that you know 
a lot of people now have you know a 55 inch high definition screen in their house so in some ways people can <laughs> sit 20 feet from that and get a better view of the game yes my my partner here just got what was it, 82 or 82 84? hung today and i can't wait to watch the game on yeah. there tonight Believe it or not, I'm watching Club Corner. But Al, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to tell you something. I've, like I said before, I respect the hell out of you. I respect what you've done with Bleed Cubby Blue. You gave another place for fans to go and get really good, valuable information. And great writing. Yeah, we got that in. See, I don't know how to write at all. Yeah. If, you, if you see my Facebook post, you I'm already a, know that. I'm a writer, and I recognize great writing. You're a great writer. That's why, <laughs> I, I, that's really why I go back, that. Al. Thanks. So I want all our listeners, if you had never checked out Bleed Cubby Blue, please do so. And when you're in the bleachers, say hi to Al. He'll be in left field because right field sucks, right, Al? You got it. <laughs> all right, next time we're there, we'll make sure to look you up. Well, I'm gonna look, yeah, we're going to look and get a picture with you, all right? Sounds good. All right. Thank th- you so much. Al right. Yellen, Bleed Thank Cubby Blue. Thank you. This is the end. Beautiful friend. This is the end